Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today is longtime listener, poet laureate, and Taya master, Anne-Marie Young. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Anne-Marie, we're, um, we're doing what is actually my second show of the day. Normally, this is the first show, but I was on somebody oh, else's yeah. podcast today. Uh, somebody who had been on the show a couple times this past October and uh, September, I think. And really wonderful young lady um, has a, a show called uh, Who the Fuck, and which is my favorite podcast title. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> and we had this wonderful time, and I'm thinking, wow, I, that was so good. And then, oh, wow, I, I have to do this podcast next. Well, great. This, and then I have another one after this because I do Joel in, in three hours after we're done with yeah. this one. So this is like Podcast Monday going on here. Oh, I'm my days. How are, you, how are you fitting anything else in? Well, it's easy. You know, it's it's just after the holidays. I'm in a relaxation mode. Oh, fair enough. Lucky See, you. That, I'm back to simple. work. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we'll make this uh, relaxing for the hour. If you can't be relaxed for the day, at least you can be relaxed for the hour. Absolutely. That's, that's what this is, your daily dose of happy. We've got to get the vibe up. And we're going to do that with our guest. We have a guest today named Jenica Day. Jenica it has a very interesting little career that she set up for herself. Um, turning into a big career, she's decided to make a science out of vacations, or as you guys in the UK like to call them, holidays. And I didn't know there was a science. To it. Did you know there was a science to holidays? I had no idea, but it's something I'd love to research. I certainly would. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to pick something to research, it might as well be something fun, right? I know, right? <laughs> there, there's a surprise to this, though. The surprise is apparently. Who knew there is a whole bunch of stress associated with vacationing? Like, mm -hmm. really? I mean, isn't that the whole point to like release stress? Why is there all of this stress? And yet, as I think about it, yeah, I guess there is quite a bit, especially if you're going away, you got to arrange your itinerary, you got to figure out who's going to take care of the cat, you got to do all this other stuff. I guess you could build up the stress. And then, of course, you're trying to deal with the fact that you're going off of work. You know, so if you, I don't know what you're taking, maybe you're taking yeah. a week, you're taking two weeks, you have to have your, your stuff covered while you're gone. You have to deal with all, I guess the stress kind of builds up after a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know certainly in my house, I had to pack for four people. Yeah. Right. Oh, well, that, that's I'll get the basics it. out and it's never enough. <laughs> exactly. So maybe it does make sense to have an expert telling us about how to deal with it from a scientific perspective. That's what Jenica's doing today. So. so Jenica, welcome to the program. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so fun watching, just listening to you guys chat about, you know, what, what, what I have to say is just, it's just so interesting to me to hear um, people's perspectives on kind of the term vacationing. We all have, have a different interpretation of it. And um, yeah, I want to kind of hammer out what, what we should be thinking or feeling when we, when we hear vacation instead of what I think we traditionally hear or think. Which is... but, but this is not a typical career path. How did you latch onto this? How did you do this? How did you get there? So, so it's kind of a long story, but you know, we only have a certain amount of time, so I'll try and go through it quickly. But there were kind of three lessons that kind of led to this. So the first one was when I was in university, I was on a scholarship for wrestling. I was actually a wrestler um, in university and we trained twice a day. Um, every day, except for the weekends, we were away, um, usually internationally or across Canada, wrestling in tournaments. 
And so I was supposed to be in this incredible shape. I, you know, I had, um, I had amazing biceps. I had amazing abs. Like I, like I looked like I was in great shape, but I felt terrible. Mm, and so I wow. really, I was really experiencing what, you know, people refer to as overtraining syndrome. And that's when you just don't give your muscles enough time to rest. Mm. Right. And so you're not actually performing optimally or at your peak because you're tired all the time. You're not resting. And so that was kind of like this first trigger that I had. And I was also um, doing an undergraduate degree in kinesiology and psychology. So I was learning about these things behind the scenes, but I was also overtraining. So that was kind of the first trigger of like, you know, rest is really important for peak performance and you're never going to reach your potential. You're never going to perform at your best if you're not resting properly. And so that was the first kind of trigger. And then, um, years later, I became a teacher and I went, I moved to Cancun and I taught chemistry and biology there. And before I went there, I thought, you know, this is the dream. This is, I've yeah. got it all figured. I've got it all figured out. I'm going to be on permanent vacation. I'm working abroad, but I'm going to be on permanent vacation. I'm going to be relaxed. I'm going to have this amazing life. And what I found when I got there was that I, you know, I was busy. I was really busy. I was, you know, teaching, it, it requires a lot of effort, especially if it's your first year because you're doing lesson planning behind the scenes at nighttime on the weekends. And so I was doing that. I was taking salsa classes. I was trying to learn Spanish. I had a goal of becoming fluent. I was, tra every weekend I would go away because I had all these little places that I wanted to go see on my travel bucket list. And so I was busy and I ended up burning myself out. And I was like, how, how do you burn out in Cancun? Like this, like this, this is not the dream that I came here for. And so that was this other little trigger that like, it, it doesn't matter where you are. Like Cancun can't make you be on a vacation. It's more than that. So that was another little trigger. And then I came back home and I actually ended up doing um, a master's in business and I transitioned into a career in e-commerce. And so I went from having 10 weeks of vacation every year to having two weeks of vacation. Ooh. And I thought, you know, I was burned out and I had 10 weeks of vacation. How, like, how is this going to work? How am I going to have two weeks of vacation and like sustain myself occupationally? So I kind of started doing a little bit of research then into occupational recovery and like what it means to be on vacation and how I can actually like rest and not be so busy. And then I kind of just went down a rabbit hole. I tend to do that. I love science and I love <laughs> researching and. And so I just kind of went down a rabbit hole and I kind of experimented with my vacations to see how I could make things work. And then I just ended up having kind of enough information to start writing a book. And so through the process of writing a book, I just, you know, got all this information, all this science. I reached out to researchers and chatted with them and it just kind of transformed into this like new path of educating people on rest and recovery for our occupations. And so and that's kind of how I got here. And educating yourself along the way. I mean, that because that's the really most important part. You needed it. And, oh, by the way, here's the rest of it for the rest of the world. A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 That's the best way to learn, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because when yeah. you're learning I like mean, that, you're, you're basically, you're learning for yourself, which is what you need to do. And then people who are in the same boat find you. 
That's what I learned with this podcast. I, I started this podcast because I was in desperate financial help, desperate financial straits and needed help. I couldn't even yes. afford to hire somebody. So I had to start a podcast to get some free help, which worked. But that's why I started the podcast. And then, you know, a few years later, was, oh, my God, there are listeners. Where do they come from? <laughs> yeah. But one comes yeah. before the other. You have to work on yourself first. And I've heard, I've heard from a lot of authors who write in like nonfiction self-help realms mm -hmm. um, that you write for yourself, right? Yes. You write you write the book for yourself, and there'll probably be other people who who can relate to it as well. And that's what I did. It was basically a diary of me, you know, figuring out how I can not be burned out and how mm -hmm. I can be healthier using my time off. So, yeah, that's kind of yeah. what happened. I like also how you talked about the fact that you burned out in paradise. It sounds so impossible. How could you possibly burn out in paradise? But just goes to show it, it, it isn't the paradise. Paradise isn't what makes it paradise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's one of the things we'll probably talk about it a bit later, but there's, I write about this in the book. There's four vacation myths. And one of them is that you have to travel to vacation mm. and it's, it's not necessary, you know, you can rest and recover from work in your in your living room, you know, mm -hmm. or you can read a, you can read a book on a park bench um, a block away. And that can be just as beneficial for your health and well-being than going to Cancun. And actually, like you guys talked about at the beginning, vacations when you travel are quite stressful. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you ask most people. Well, there's always that saying, too, when you return from a vacation. I need a break from my vacation. I need a vacation from my vacation, right? Mm -hmm. How many mm -hmm. times have we all heard that? And it's because, you know, sometimes we travel for a vacation and it's like you guys said, the packing, you have four people to pack for, um, leading up, you have to get coverage at work, like all the little things, all these little things are stressful. And although we want to have those great experiences and make great memories, it's, it's also this other side of the coin, which is, you know, you really need to use that time away from work to recover and perform at your best. And it's not necessarily about travel. I love travel, so I would never tell anyone not to travel, but there's some things that we can do to kind of decrease stress, but there's also, you know, you can vacation at home and that's yeah. a great option as well. I, I remember early on in my life, my earliest trips uh, often were trips to visit family. Uh, especially when I was in my thirties, my, my parents moved to a lake. So I had a great place to go for vacation every year. Cause Oh, there was all the lake stuff to do. But I remember every time I would arrive, I, I would be there for at least a week. And the first day or two was all about de-stressing from going on vacation. Then I could finally relax for another couple mm -hmm. days to get de-stressed from work. And then somewhere in there, I could start actually playing, mm -hmm. but I had to go through those first few days just to get to the point where I could play. Yes. So there's, there's research been done on, um, you know, how our happiness or health and wellness change throughout the days of our vacation. And it's exactly kind of what you're describing is that usually approximately like 40 to 70% of the way through our vacation is when we reach our peak happiness. And that's because those first couple of days, usually they're, they're filled with travel or they're filled with a little bit of like de-stressing from the last couple of days of work. You know, is, is, are people covering for me? Okay. Did I lock the door all at my house? All those things. So usually we have kind of this upward curve into happiness on vacation, hit our peak around 40 to 70% of the way through, and then we'll come back down a little bit at the end. But yeah, it's, it's interesting that you, you know, you notice that yourself that it takes you a couple of days to de-stress before you can start enjoying your time off. 
I don't think notice is the correct word. I think it was more like <laughs> being run over by a tank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't do things by half. I never have. <laughs> <laughs> but share with us some of the things that you have picked up from your research. Yeah. So, um, I mean, where to begin? But I, what I will start with is, so in, in my book, I talk about this vacation hero method. Um, that I suggest everyone can use. And so the way that I like to think about vacations and the way that leisure researchers refer to any type of experience that we have is through three different phases. So for any experience, you have anticipation, right? So we'll talk about vacation specifically. So anticipating the vacation, then you have participation where you're participating in the vacation, and then you have reflection. So the after you come home from vacation, usually have a little bit of time afterwards where you're, you know, thinking like, oh, that was great. We made so many memories. You might look at photos and reminisce a little bit. And you have that kind of experience. So those three phases are we have on any vacation. And there's ways that we can optimize each phase. And I can go into those later if you want. But generally, what research shows is that for anticipation, we usually have about eight weeks before a vacation, even more, 16 could be even more than that, but eight weeks where we really see an increase in our health and wellness leading up to mm. vacation. And that's because I'm sure you guys would guess you're excited, right? Yeah. You're anticipating generally, generally, and we hope for every vacation you're excited about it. If you're not, then you, you should probably plan something, something different to do on your vacation. But for about eight weeks, um, we get excited. And so our health and wellness starts going up. We might be at like a six out of 10 happiness before our vacation. And then once we start, or before we plan a vacation, and then once we start thinking about our vacation, we might be like a seven or a 7.5. So we have this boost in happiness for about eight weeks before a vacation. Then when we're on vacation, we're happy generally. These are, I'm, t I'm speaking about optimal vacations here. So when we're on vacation, our ha health and wellness boosts up a little bit higher again it might go up to an eight or a nine while we're on vacation and then um, after our vacation there's reflection and that is usually um, it usually doesn't last very long so most research shows that it doesn't last any long well depends on the research but it could last anywhere from two to four weeks but I generally say about two weeks um, and there's things that you can do to increase your health and wellness after a vacation too but those are the three phases. And so it's about eight weeks before your vacation, health and wellness is elevated. And then the two weeks after where you also have a boost in happiness, but it's the come down. So what I like to do, what I like to, how I like to think about vacations is rather than just those three phases, I like to think about them as a cycle. So I call this the vacation cycle. And so my recommendation for everyone is that we cycle through those three phases consistently. So we never take a break. So we should always, always be in either the anticipation phase, the participation phase, or the reflection phase of a vacation. And if we are, that means that we're always consistently going to have our health and wellness elevated. So for example, if you anticipate a vacation, you participate, you reflect, when you're reflecting on that vacation, you should have your next vacation planned so that immediately when you're done kind of reminiscing on that one, you can jump into the anticipation phase of your next vacation and your health and wellness will be, you know, maybe at a seven instead of a six when you don't have a vacation plan. So the, the vacation hero method that I suggest is cycling through those three phases five times a year. And that 
it equates to approximately a year, which is about 365 days. So if you take five vacations every year, spaced approximately 10 weeks apart, so the eight weeks before and the two weeks after, then you'll consistently maintain your health and wellness above what you would normally have if you had no vacation planned. I'm, I'm just imagining, because I'm an employer, and I'm imagining what other employers are thinking, like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose this person for the entire year with those, these little tiny periods. I have to maximize getting value out of them while they're there, and then they're gone 10 weeks later. Like, oh, no, how are we going to do this? No, but you know, yeah. you know what the, the glory of this for employees is that people will take shorter vacations. So the, so the idea is rather than taking one big, long three week vacation, employees will take, you know, these little five day vacations. So they're, you know, they're working, then they get this little break, you know, so their stress levels can kind of reset. Then they, they go back to work. They, they're, they get a little bit more stressed. They take this little break, you know, maybe a five day, six day, seven day vacation. They can reset and go back. And for employers, it's great because no employer wants to have somebody go away for three weeks, right? It's True. easy to get coverage. If somebody takes a three-day vacation or, you know, in Canada, we often, I'm sure you guys probably do it too, but we'll often attach it to like a holiday. So if you get like the Friday public holiday, somebody might take like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday too. It's so easy to have somebody gone for three days out of the office versus like three weeks. It's so difficult. And research actually shows that shorter vacations are actually just as beneficial as long vacations. So it doesn't matter if you go for three weeks versus five days, you're still going to get the benefits and you're still going to have, you know, the, the time leading up to the vacation and the time after where somebody's happier and healthier at work. So it's actually a great thing for employers as well as employees. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I, actually, excuse me a minute, Amory, then, then we'll bring you in. I, but I, I just wanted to say that as an employer, I, I kind of overstated the case a little bit because we really do, like you say, we want our employees to take the rest. We want them to be at, the, at their peak. And what, what we really learn to do is make sure that we're scheduling our year in such a way that we're not dependent on somebody who's going to be away for three weeks or a month or something like that. So that mm -hmm. we, we don't have those big kinds of, of gaps going on because that's actually the hardest stuff to manage. So I think you're 100% right about that. Mm -hmm. so, sorry, Emery, what were you saying? No, I was going to say, just say that like, surely taking those little breaks and having those things to look forward to if you're less stressed, you're way more productive. So for an employer, that's much better. And, uh, you know, and I'm always surprised at the end of every year when it's coming towards Christmas and our employers are going, you know, book your holiday. You've not all taken your holiday. And I'm like, gosh, mm. I've really got about three days left. <laughs> and some people have got like 25. And I'm like, how have you coped the year without taking a break? I just, mm -hmm. I just can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's there there's really this overworking culture, and it's interesting because we are having a global conversation, right? I wrote this book from the point of view of a North American, you know, kind of the Canadian and American perspective of it. And there's this culture of overworking right now. You know, Elon Musk, when he took over Twitter, was like, sent out an email to everyone was like, work long hours or get out, you know? There's, yeah. And we we kind of we kind of make it seem like we glamorize it, right? Like Kim Kardashian, you know, she stated like, nobody wants to work anymore. Like get your, get your ass to work. But the reality is when we look at the data on it, people are working about eight hours of extra overtime every week. That's not accounted mm. for, you know, they're, they're emailing on their phones when it's mm -hmm. 6 PM, they're, they're doing all these extra things for work that they're not getting paid for. 
And overworking is actually, it's, it's not inconsequential. It's people are actually dying from overworking related illnesses, chronic stress, you know, obesity, cardiovascular disease, heart and stroke, heart, um, heart disease and stroke. These are all related to chronic stress and chronic stress happens when we overwork. And so if we don't take these little breaks and we don't optimize them, we don't take them properly. You know, we don't put our phone away. We don't turn, you know, turn off all the things and all the distractions, then we're just heading into more and more chronic stress. So it's, it's, it's a problem that needs to be solved. And I think that part of the problem is this overworking culture. And it's recognition of it too. I mean, Elon Mm -hmm. Musk clearly doesn't recognize it. You know, Mm -hmm. Kim Kardashian clearly doesn't recognize it. And and they're just prominent examples, but that's fairly common. I I think a lot of employers and employees don't really recognize just how important it is. Mm -hmm. Um, I recognized it mainly because of my own experience I, I, I think it's fair to say I was abused as an employee. I, at one point was working an 80 hour week and getting paid for 40 hours, mm-hmm. um, which was partly on me because I was putting up with it. But let me tell you, that takes a toll. It takes a serious mm-hmm. toll on you. I, it, it can, it can wreck your health. I was lucky it didn't wreck my health. It wrecked a lot of my life, but not that. And I knew other people whose health it did wreck. And mm-hmm. when, once that happens, wow, it's a wake up call. It's yeah. kind of late, but it's a wake up call. It's like, oh yeah, this stuff mm-hmm. is serious. You you really can't do this to yourself without having some sort of negative consequence. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem too is that one how stress generally works, or what they say the effort recovery model is what I've kind of looked at for this, is that stress accumulates. So mm-hmm. the longer you go without taking a proper break from work, the more stress accumulates. And your stress just goes up, 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 up. So if you're taking that three week vacation once a year and you're not getting those little breaks, you're going to push yourself up into like really dangerously high levels of stress before you get that break. And then you might not feel fully recovered or you might feel like I need a sabbatical. Like I can't, you know, like three weeks isn't even enough because I'm so I'm so stressed out. But if you can keep your stress level, you know, stress isn't bad for us. Right. Stress is great in a lot of ways. So if you can keep your stress from accumulating so much that you're in kind of like that burnout zone, then, you know, having those little breaks, they bring you back down, you know, you go back to work, you get a little bit of stress, you have a break. You, that's the way that we should be looking at it. It's, it's like being dehydrated, right? Mm-hmm. If you're, if you already have symptoms of dehydration, it's too late, right? Like we should have a, we should have a bottle of water at our desk all day long and we should be drinking little sips of water before we feel dehydrated. But once you're dehydrated, then it's like, okay, now I didn't go to the hospital, get on IVs, all of this. Same thing with burnout, right? We need to work on preventing it and take proper breaks from it before we get there. And Mm. so that's kind of what this like vacation hero method is really about. It's less about this glamorous term of vacationing and more about, you know, how we can recover and sustain ourselves in a work environment. I also don't think that people like Elon or Kim or the, the non, not well known, but equally influential employers, especially of the larger corporations. I don't think they fully grasp how they're working against their own goals. Cause every single leader of every major corporation wants to make everything as efficient as they can. They want to make it, you know, humming like a, a machine. Well, that's really what they're trying to do. They're trying to turn it into a machine that just hums right along. And they don't seem to realize that when they ask people to put in those extra hours and do that extra, go to extra mile and so forth, they're undercutting the ability of the machine to hum. I don't think they make that connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's yeah. And that's the thing is that we need to be working smarter, not longer, you mm. know? And so great. Michael Walker talks about this in his book, um, why we sleep. I don't know if you guys have read it. It's a great book, but he talks about all about sleep and the science of sleep and how not getting enough sleep affects our work. Mm. And he says, you know, if you're not getting enough sleep, you're, you're going to be something that you could get done in half an hour. takes an hour to do. Right. So if people aren't, I mean, sleep is a whole other ballgame. We don't need to get into that. But if people aren't taking proper breaks, same thing, right? A task that takes you 30 minutes to do normally with a full night of sleep and a full day of rest might take you an hour to do. And so we're overworking, but like, are those hours actually productive? We should be thinking about how can we maximize our productivity in the eight hours that we have versus like, how about you just work 12 and like, diddle daddle through the day and not be as productive as you could be. So I don't think it's working more. I think it's working smarter and working smarter means resting more and recovering properly. I'm curious also to know what your take is on this next piece, because I'm going to take it a step further and say, it's not just about working efficiently and being as productive as possible because that model of efficiency, that model of productivity, and let's face it, that's what, employers today are, are overwhelmingly, um, concerned about and focused upon. Um, they, they have all their analytics that they're paying attention to. They have all of their programs that are designed to feed into it, but they all really miss a very, very important point in my view. And I'm curious to see what you take on it. To me, it's a mistake to assume that you can make creativity efficient. It's a mistake to assume you can make creativity productive because you can't. And anyone who tries to do that is ultimately going to undermine their own creativity and the creativity of their staffs. And that's not something you can easily measure with analytics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a ton. This is very well known, but there's research done on creativity and taking breaks. And when you take a break, that gives your brain the space to think about things from a different angle. To, th- to use different parts of your brain, to, to attack a problem from a different direction, right? And so if you're not taking breaks, you're never getting, you're ne- never getting off the train to just say like, okay, something hasn't been working, maybe I can try it a different way. Or like, even, even my book, for example, I, I started really writing and researching it when I went on mat leave. And it's not, I, I think it's not a coincidence that I took a step back from my working environment and I was able to think like more creatively about some of the questions that I had and like put more creative energy into the book that I had. And then also it's taken me so long to publish the book, <laughs> which I, you know, when I first started writing it, I'm like, I'm going to hammer this out and I want to get this done in like a year and like have it published so I can like, you know, like let's, let's get the ball rolling here. Right. But it's, I mean, I've been at it for five years <laughs> and mm-hmm from an outside perspective, people will be like, why that's so long, but I've been taking breaks from it. And every time I take a break from the book and I come back to it with new eyes, I see it from a different lens. And I think, you know, this could be better. Or what about this? There's, there's full chapters that I thought, you know, I didn't even have those in there in the first draft because, you know, I just wasn't thinking that way. Anyways, um, incubation is what they call it. So um, Graham Wallace was one of the first to propose kind of like the creative process and incubation is when, you know, your ideas are incubating and then they are illuminated. So he calls it illumination when, you know, you're in the shower and something pops up in your brain and you think, ah, what about that? Or like, I forgot that, or I could do that. And it's, 
the creative process really needs time away from from actively working at something to to flourish. And then to confuse the whole issue even further, you have a number of individuals, including the the best known ones. You mentioned Elon and Kim. I'll throw Steve Jobs into that mix. Somebody who thrived under pressure. Steve Jobs was all about producing amazing, creative, spontaneously brilliant ideas under tremendous amounts of pressure yeah. because that's how he worked yeah. best. And of course, the real trap there is, well, if it works for Steve Jobs, it must work for everybody else. But it's a trap yeah. because it's not true. You yeah. know, what's interesting, though, is I, I heard on a podcast, um, I can't remember who it was, but somebody that worked really closely with him. He said that Steve Jobs went on the same to the same he vacationed to the same places every time he went on vacation, which mm. I, I like to recommend because there's less stress when you've been there before and you've done it before mm. and you know what time of year to go and all that. But apparently when Steve Jobs would go on vacation, he would like call in and be like, oh, I thought about this or we should do it this way or, mm. you know. And so I again, I don't think that it's a coincidence that stepping away from your office physically or mentally can help think about things you can it helps you think about things from a different way and even if he was working on those vacations that little step back that you know i'm gonna go on vacation maybe that mental shift or that like geographical distance that he had maybe that came into play and that was what allowed him to start having some of these ideas being illuminated i don't know and he's not here so we can't ask him but i i personally think that that little break, even if it's, you know, even if he kept working would have been really, really valuable. Well, I'll throw another piece in and this is a little bit of a downer, but Steve Jobs died young. Mm -hmm. I, it, I think we can all pretty much agree. It was his career. His career killed mm -hmm. him. It's not mm -hmm. really, it's not up for debate. <laughs> it's like everybody, yeah, you know, he worked himself to death. It's pretty obvious. That's how he ended up getting cancer. That's how the whole thing happened. Um, mm -hmm. Do we actually take that into account? when we measure it against all of the amazing contributions he made. Not usually. We usually we measure the contributions mm -hmm. separately. But you know what? They can go hand in hand. It, it, it really goes to your point of just how important it is to do things in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Because the health goes above and beyond the creativity. It goes above and beyond the job. It goes to your yeah. life. And this is something that I like to ponder with people as well. Do you think Steve Jobs could have achieved all that he achieved if he had taken consistent regular breaks and worked, you know, a 60 hour work week instead of a hundred hour work week? Mm, there's an interesting idea. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I, so. I'll, I'll even suggest so. the idea he might have come up with even more than he did. Yeah. Perhaps. Right. Like, and, and that's the thing is when you have a great idea and you're really passionate about something, I, I don't think anyone's going to say like, oh, you never would have got as far as you did if you had taken, you know, an extra five day vacation every 10 weeks. Like, I think if you're if you're on to something and you're really, you know, you're a hard worker and you're smart and you are doing new things or whatever it is that you're doing. I, I don't think that a five day vacation every it could even be a two day vacation. And I can talk about that later, too, about like the length. But. I don't think a couple short vacations throughout the year are going to hold you back from achieving your potential. And in fact, I think that it's going to help you. <laughs> yeah. I, I just know on a work day, even if I'm feeling stressed, I will put on like just a full five minute meditation on and that just sends me back down and it's a different from a vacation, but it's that little break. 
It's that little break I'm having that to refocus my mind to then be way more productive than rather sit there in this hectic space. Yeah. Yeah. And you think I, I like to make a lot of references to sports because um, because I was an athlete and I trained at high levels and I have a degree in kinesiology. But like you look at all all the sports that we have, most sports that we have, there's always an intermission. There's they're broken down into quarters. Right. Right. And why is that? Why is that? Because you need to rest, you need to focus, you need to gather your thoughts. Exactly. And it's, and I also think from like an athletic perspective too, I use those, those kind of like points of time to propel myself forward. You know, I play, I played soccer for a really long time. That like intermission, the halftime, if you know there's only 10 minutes left before halftime, you're pushing yourself hard before mm. that 10 minutes, right? There's a psychological shift that we have when we know a break is coming. And mm. so if you feel like you're constantly on that hamster wheel and there's no end in sight, you're like, oh my God, this is Groundhog Day again. Like you're, you're working, 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 working. You have no end in sight. You have no rest period in sight. That's a tragedy because your mind is like, you just, you feel like you're trapped, right? And so having these vacations planned throughout the year, these little rest periods, these little intermissions, these half times, all of that from an occupational perspective will change the way that you think about working. And you, if you always have an end in sight, you always have like a nice rest period in sight, then you're going to work in a different way. And I think you'll really enjoy it a lot more too. I'm reminded from what you're saying there of what a sports announcer said recently. Now, the sports announcer was announcing an American football game, but he was announcing a game where a number of the athletes were former track athletes. They were literally, some of them were world-class track athletes. And he made the point that in track, when an athlete is running in a, in a, uh, a race, the ones who are able to reduce their speed the least in the last lap are the ones who win. In other words, they're not trying to run faster than everybody else. They're trying to slow down less than everybody else. Interesting. So basically they're doing what you're talking about. They're taking advantage mm -hmm. of knowledge that the race is about to come to end as a way of saying, I can keep going at this rate. I don't have mm -hmm. to slow down in order to pace myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like how many people would run a marathon if they didn't know when the end was? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't, it wouldn't really be a marathon, but imagine if you're just running and they're like, okay, we'll let you know when right. time's up. <laughs> You'd be like, no. I told you. And so that's why, that's why it's crazy to me when people don't know when their next vacation is, because I mean, we have the weekends and all that. Right. But it's, it's a different, it's a different mindset to have, a vacation and there's there's a study um that shows so they had two groups of people and one group of people um it was they were coming up on a weekend they worked like a nine to five job it was coming up on a weekend and they said okay treat the weekend like a regular weekend come back to the lab next week and we're going to ask you some questions the other group of people they said okay treat this weekend like a vacation that's it that's all they said they said treat this weekend like a vacation and so they had both groups come back to the lab the next week and the group that treated the weekend like a vacation had, was more productive. They performed better. They felt more rested and they were happier. And it was all they did was tell them to treat that weekend like a vacation. 
right? So we, it doesn't need to be a long break. It can be a weekend. It's just that shift in mindset when we're on vacation, we, we really feel like, you know, we're, we're taking a break weekends. It kind of feels like you're just like going through the motions, groundhog day, that kind of thing. But if we can make things into vacations and have these little vacations planned, we, that little shift in your mind will help you, um, feel happier and perform better. Yeah. Yeah. It's really food for thought right there too. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious to know when, you, when, uh, when we're talking about this, do you think that people are giving it enough attention to think about their vacations, to think about their time off, to plan things out, or are they letting things happen too randomly? Definitely too randomly. So one of the things that I'm really trying to do is I'm trying to make people step back from this vacation term or or reshape the way people think about vacations. So generally I feel like most people think, Oh, vacations, you know, it's great. There's memes about it. I'm going on vacation. I'm going to Cancun, all of that. I would like people to think of it more as a break from work. And that's traditionally what it was thought of. It wasn't a trip to Cancun. It was really a break from work. And so the word vacation stems from vacare, which means to be vacate, to be vacant, idle, unoccupied. And so that's really like the heart of the term, but it's kind of got like mixed up in this, you know, travel to a beach definition. And that's not really how I feel we should be thinking about it. So I think that we should be reshaping the way we think about vacations and really be using that time intentionally to rest. And I don't think I would say the majority of people, a large, large, large majority of people don't have that mentality right now. It's just, where can I go with my time off work? And I think, I think employers are part of the problem too. I don't think they're educating employees on, you know, the benefits of rest creativity, increased performance, all of that. And I don't think they're communicating to them how important it is to take time off of work to recover. Yeah. They probably don't even realize there's an issue. No. Yeah. But the moment you don't know there's an issue, the moment you don't know that there's an issue is also the moment that you've just got yourself in trouble. It's it's like you were describing earlier, you know, you're, you're already dehydrated. Now what? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, it's interesting to me too, because when COVID happened and I was writing my book during COVID, so this was, this was very interesting. So many people stopped taking vacations and that tells you that, that informs you that my thinking is correct, right? People think I'm not going to go on vacation because the borders are closed. I can't, I'm not going to take days off work. I can't go to Cancun. I can't, you know, I can't be on a beach. I'm not going to have a vacation. So everyone had these accumulating vacation days. Nobody took vacation because the uh, what we think vacations are is not how we should actually be thinking well i personally believe we shouldn't be thinking about them that way so covid is a testament to to that well covid shifted a lot of things too and and this is actually a good point to bring in i think uh because it it was the the general consensus before covid that you went into an office or you went to a place of work every day and that's where you did your work and then covid basically forced us to stay home and employers didn't like that too much employees didn't like that too much 
Um, but they did anyway. And then the employees, for the most part, found that to their surprise, they liked it. And and now we're starting to get into the territory you were talking about at the very beginning of the show. You were going to work in Cancun. Like, wow, this is the best way to be, right? I'm going to be in Cancun. It's going to be a vacation all the time. How bad can that be? And then it turned into anything but. I think probably something similar has happened with people who are now working more at home or working hybrid jobs, as they now call them. So let's talk about that for a little bit. You know, you're working a hybrid job. You don't you still need to think about this kind of the way you were talking about before that you have to actually give definite thought to taking breaks, even though you're working at home? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and people who work at home or contract contract workers who, you know, don't work in the office as well. Um, it's difficult for them to take vacation. I find any of my friends who are contract workers or work from home permanently they will often say like, I'm not going to take a vacation day because I don't get paid for it. So it's mm-hmm. different when you're, when you, every hour that you put in is a paid hour. So I think there's, it's difficult there versus having a job where, you know, you make, you make the 60 grand a year, no matter how many hours you put in. Well, you're supposed to be putting in, I guess, 40 for most people, but it, it it's, you don't think about losing that money when you're, when you're working like a full-time job. But if you're a contract worker, losing an hour of work is losing an hour of pay. And so I, I don't want to take vacation because every time I take vacation, I'm missing out on more money, right? It's not given to me. So contract workers have their own problem there. But then anyone who works from home, um, it's difficult because you have your phone. You, you generally, I mean, everyone has their phone, but like you have your phone, your computer might be in your kitchen. You're like, you, you might have all these things at home that remind you of work. And so it's difficult to escape from those sometimes um, and turn off. And same thing, people might think, well, I can work from home. So if I go to, if I, even if I go to Cancun, why wouldn't I just keep working while I'm there? I can bring my computer with me. So the travel and the vacationing and how they interact is, is quite different for people working at home. So what does the science tell us about those people and what they're doing? Well, the science says that they need to be taking breaks as well. It's just as stressful to have a job at home, right? So even if you're in your PJs and you're you're working, you still need a break. And the reason for that is that stress, and I talk about this too, is that even if you love your job, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're like, I love my job. This job is the best job I've ever had. I wake up every morning. I have a skip in my step. This is amazing doesn't matter if you love your job or you wake up and you hate your job and you don't want to go to work. doesn't matter. Both of those scenarios, you will accumulate stress because when you work, you experience stress. It's just how it happens. If you think, if you communicate with people, if you interact, if you problem solve, if you use your brain, you will experience cognitive stress. doesn't matter if you love or hate it. And I like to use the analogy doesn't matter if you love or hate push-ups. If you do a hundred push-ups, you will be tired. One person might hate them and another person might might love them, but both people are going to be tired after you do a hundred push-ups. And it's the same thing with work. So if you love your work or you don't like your work, you're still going to accumulate stress and you still need to take breaks from it. So people working at home, even if you know you're happy and you you're like, oh, this isn't so hard, it's fine you're still going to be accumulating stress and you still need to take breaks from it. So the research says that everybody 
needs a break from working in order to recover properly and to perform at their best. I can think of a couple ways to go here. Uh, I'm not sure what, what, what you're thinking about, Amory, because I mean, you you kind of work in this this field as well, yeah. in, this, in this broader field. I mean, what tell tell us your experience when you think about this? What do you think about? Um, I completely agree. I think working in the office and then working at home becomes the same thing. Um, it's almost like I go to the office almost for a break because you get to talk to people and rather than just being stuck behind my desk and focusing and just going for it. But I used to be certainly when COVID happened and we first started working from home and I was homeschooling as well. I tried to be everything, didn't take a break, worked extra hours and just, I just broke. I couldn't do it. It was too hard. And then I kind of thinking back to that and I've been sort of reminiscing as you've been talking, it's like now I make sure I take my lunch break every day and I don't do a lot of overtime, but I achieve my work in time. And I'm just much more boundary now because I know going to see my daughters when they get home from school is something I really enjoy and it's something really precious. So I think I've just really about, I don't know if it's my age or just from experience, but I do think, yeah, you need to take those breaks. And it just doesn't, affect my productivity because I could be sat staring at a screen stressed and doing nothing or I can take a break for 10 minutes come back and then I've refocused and I'm productive so and I completely agree with taking breaks throughout the year um and I have last year we didn't go away I had a, a couple of staycations I stayed at home and we chilled out and I needed the break. And I did it just before Christmas. I took days off before Christmas because I was burnt out. I was a mama and I was just like doing everything. So I took a day off and it helped. It does help. It also helps um, when you're self-employed. It was one of the first things I had to learn was creating mm -hmm. a mental and physical delineation between work and home because I was working at home. And at the time I didn't have the research to lean on. I just, I just knew if I didn't do that, cause I had literally within three or four years previous to that, I'd been through that burnout period where I worked that 80 hour week being paid 40. So I, I knew what I could end up doing as a self-employed person. I could really, you know, bury myself. And to a certain extent I did anyway. I mean, it's not like I got rid of the old habit right away, but I was at least aware of it enough to realize I got to create a delineation here. I got to create a clear boundary so that I know when I'm at work and when I'm at home. And that takes some doing. It's not something, I mean, it's one thing to say you need to do it. It's another thing to figure out how to make that happen. I mean, Janica, mm -hmm. when you, when you talk about that, how do you recommend people make that, that, that separation in their lives? Yeah. So uh, there's three things that continuously come up in the literature for maximizing or optimizing your vacation. So one is relaxing. We all are very familiar with that. Mm -hmm. Harder said than done. So, I mean, we don't have a ton of time, so I won't go into all of that, but relaxing is very important. The other one is controlling. So making sure that you're doing something that you want to do with your time. So very often on vacations, you know, we might vacation with somebody else and do something that somebody else wants to do. Our partner might want to go here. We say, okay, we'll go there. We might, you know, we might be introverted, but we do, we go on a vacation socially and that's not really re relaxing. So you have to be in control of how you spend your time. We spend 40 hours a week generally having somebody else tell us what to do with our time. So when we're not at work, we need to make sure that we're doing something that is really fulfilling and relaxing for us. So that's another relax control. And the, the other one is detach. 
And so this one is probably the most important and research will researchers will probably agree with that. Um, we need to detach from work. And so this means physically and mentally. So we need to be physically away from work and the people there <laughs> and our computers and our phones. And we need to shut down so that we don't have contact. I know it's easier said than done for some people. And we need to also not be thinking about work. So a lot of people, even if they shut down their email or they're away from work, they'll still think, oh, that problem, how I could have solved it this way, or I could have done that, or like, oh, I forgot to make that appointment with so-and-so, or we need, when those thoughts come into our brain, we need to smack them out of the way like people do when they're meditating and say, not right now, I'm on vacation. And that's very difficult to do, but if you can achieve that, you will have a way more restful vacation than somebody who is consistently thinking about work through all the hours outside of work. This is so important that the governments have actually, I mean, they know how important this is. So some governments um, and some employers have started, well, there's laws now that say you can't force employees to respond to emails outside of working hours. And there's some companies that will actually shut down their email server and say you can only send emails between like 8.30 and 5.30 each day. And that's because people are struggling with detaching because we're just connected all the time, right? So those are the three things, relax, detach, and control. And detach is arguably the most difficult and the most important one to do. Well, I'm reminded of our earlier conversation where we're talking about Steve Jobs on vacation and he's got these ideas and he calls them into the office. He wasn't detaching at all. He was totally mm -hmm. attached the entire time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in that case, you know what I would say is if, say you are that type of person who goes on vacation and you have all these ideas illuminating and you're getting the creative juices going, write them down, yeah. write them down. They will be there for you when you get back to the office, you know, and it's, it's great to have all those ideas. I do that all the time. I will be walking, I'll be singing in the shower, I'll be wherever, you know, ideas hit you at random times and that's fine. Just write them down, put them in your little notebook in your in your smartphone and come back to them later on, but don't let them interrupt your rest time. Yeah, I was just going to mention the apps on the on the phone. Mm -hmm. I, one of my favorite apps is a notes app. I mean, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's the dullest, most plain app you can possibly <laughs> have. And it's one of the most valuable ones I've got. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. 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 Take advantage of that. Really important. Amory, I mean, you, you're, you're used to this now. You've been doing, how long have you been uh, working hybrid? Oh, well, 2021. Okay. So you're in your third year now. Yeah. What, what, are, what are some of your tips? Like, how, how do you separate? How do you make the, first of all, um, how do you do those three steps that, that uh, Jenna was talking about? And to what degree do you successfully do that? I'm pretty boundaried now because when COVID first happened and my PC and my laptop and everything was on the dining table and I'd walk past it all the time, I couldn't disconnect. It was always like, there's work there. So now I've got, I made the space to have a separate area. And I shut that door. I, I, um, I make sure I hibernate my or shut down my laptop and it doesn't get touched again. Um, not until the next day. I refuse to have any work apps on my phone. It's just not happening. And then I'm not tempted to look at it. Um, and also, you know, there's, there's things that I don't appreciate. And I've made it quite clear that I, if, if I have a day off, 
do not contact me unless it is really like life and death. Um, and when people say to me, oh, it's okay, I'm off tomorrow, but you can phone me on this. And it's like, I'm not going to phone you because I don't expect you to do that to me. And I'm certainly not going to do that to you. So I'm very pretty bounded on it. Um, and that's how I've coped with it. How's she doing, Jennifer? That's great. I, one of my pet peeves is when people leave the office and they say like, I'm on vacation, but like, just text me if you need anything. And I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Like you go on vacation. Nobody needs to text you. You're not that important. (laughs) Just kidding. But like, you know, we all, we, we all have these complexes that things might shut down if we're not there, things won't work. And it might be the case if you're a, a one person show and nothing will actually work without you. But For the most part, I mean, you should get coverage before you leave and you should have, you know, somebody that can be your vice president while you're gone. And I I just think don't put yourself in that situation where somebody might need to call you on vacation and they feel like it's okay because then something minuscule might come up and they might say, oh, she said it's okay if I call her, so I'll call her. But you don't want to give anyone the impression that you're available on vacation. And especially if you're a manager or somebody higher up in the company, because there's a trickle down effect that happens. Mm. Managers make themselves available on vacation. Employer, their, their employees think I need to make myself available on vacation. And it's just, then the whole workplace is available on vacation. And there's this whole like culture at the workplace that like, when you go on vacation, it's not a real break. you you need to be available for work. And that's mm. where we get the toxic work cultures and that's where burnout starts happening. So mm. it's when you're up higher, you need to think about, you know, how the way that you act and behave is the way your employers are going to act and behave. It's like having children, right? Mm. <laughs> you need to model, you need to model great behavior and you need to model great, be- great vacation behavior in the workplace. But it sounds I like you're doing that. a great job. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you, if you, if I get a text, from work in on my day off that's a good hour of my brain space going oh why are they texting me what's gone wrong I've got to respond to this now because I'm spending the whole time worrying about it and then I get really angry so that's why I'm just like no don't do it mm-hmm. so I don't have my work phone on and no I don't um have anything work related on my personal phone it's a good um division there keeping them yeah. completely separate so that you, you can't yeah. even be tempted yeah. And when, I, cause my husband's terrible. He's, he's always got his work phone on him. I hide it. He's off work. I hide it. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it's not to him. Too. He gets really annoyed with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's for his mental health. It's for his mental health. We all need that downtime. It's so important. To what extent then can we say that our mental health is dictated by our our pattern where breaks and vacations and time off are concerned? Yeah, I mean, I would love to say if everyone just followed this vacation hero method, everyone would be happy and there would be no issues and there'd be no burnout, right? I believe that it plays a big piece I've experienced it myself. I've seen how taking breaks can like affect my well-being. Um, however, there's a huge piece as well that's missing that needs to come a long way as well. And that's the work environment. Mm-hmm. Burnout generally, they say, is not a personal problem. It's an environmental problem. 
And so if you're in a toxic work environment, that's the other piece of the puzzle. So as an employee, you need to be doing as much as you can to rest and recover on your own and, you know, take those vacations, make sure that you're, you're not accumulating too much stress to go into chronic stress and burnout. You need to be taking those little breaks throughout the year. But then there's the other side of the coin, which is the work environment. And that really can play a role as well. And if your work environment is toxic and you're in this culture, like I just kind of talked about where your managers aren't taking time off, no one's taking time off. It's, you know, Twitter, I'm sure right now, Elon is maybe in that situation where nobody's taking breaks. You you don't want to be that black sheep who's like the only one taking vacations all then people will be like oh isn't it nice that you get all this time off and blah blah blah, right so personally you can do as much as you can using this kind of method that I talk about but there's also the work environment that comes into play and that needs to be worked on and that's part of what I'm trying to do here is the personal side but also working with companies to help educate employees but also educate people in the company on how important it is to do this and it's actually benefit it's going to be beneficial for the corporations as well if corporations know okay my employees are generally going to be taking short frequent breaks versus one big long break that's better for us and when they come back more rested and we don't have all these people burning out and quitting or going on stress leave that's also going to be beneficial for performance so it's just getting the word out to these companies and then having employees do their work and planning those vacations themselves as well. Those are the two that I think are really going to elevate the health and wellness of workers, but they, they work together. We have, I agree we have... with that. I'd say when I joined our company, our motto was family first. And even now I can go and do the school run that's fine because I'm working from home. There's, there's no problem with that. You know, I'll make that time up, but there's no, there's no querying me doing that. And, you know, they've, they put the Calm app, which is a meditation app. They've given that to every single employee. You've got mental health first aiders and, you know, they encourage you to take holidays and it's a very productive company. We get a lot of work done every year, but the staff know they're allowed to manage that work-life balance. It's so important mm-hmm. we, we have used up our hour and so i don't have time to dive into this but i really would like to, to dive into <laughs> a, a, a little subtopic i guess you could call it a rabbit hole or you, you could call it a tangent but the the subtopic would be is is productivity as important people think it is because i've come to the realization that it's not that productivity is actually dramatically overrated by our economy, by our economic system, by our political system, by um, our commercial system, by the whole thing. It, that productivity is is way overemphasized. I I think that we're actually moving in a direction where there's going to be less emphasis on it over time, but it's going to be more of a a a, a, a storm rather than an easy flow away from uh, heavy emphasis on productivity. I think it's going to be you know, lots of crash and burns and all that kind of thing before we, we get to the point where productivity isn't considered quite as important. Um, but I think we're heading there. And I think that it's going to get to the point where people have to, to really think about it very, very differently. Um, and, and I know this is going to be hard for many people to believe, but I think that that's going to happen primarily for economic reasons. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I can't outline what I think those economic reasons are because it's, it's too speculative. There are too many different ways it could go, but I can certainly hypothesize the idea that you know, we, we could have various kinds of economic crashes, economic, um, collapses and so forth that dictate kind of like what we experienced with COVID. I mean, COVID literally among other things led to a dramatic decrease in productivity. It had to. That was part mm-hmm. of what the whole the whole lockdown experience was. It was, yeah, okay, guess what, guys? Productivity is going to suffer and the economy is going to suffer, and it's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. I think what, what ultimately it's leading to, and this is where my thinking perhaps is a little bit controversial, is that that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Right now, we still think of that as a bad thing. I don't think yeah. it's a bad thing. Yeah. I just wish we had more time well, to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, would, would the econ- would we all like would we all die if the next generation iPhone didn't come out? Yeah. No. Right. And <laughs> also, and also, like, how do you define productivity? Is it productive to rest? Yes. Good point. Good question. So yeah. I mean, I think yeah, and I know that we don't have much time, but like, is it productive to rest? I think that's an interesting question. I think ultimately that does lead to the question, how important really is productivity? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Cause I, I actually believe that productivity as a concept is driven by fear. I don't think it's actually driven by anything. That's a positive emotional, um, virtuous kind of thing. I think it's driven by fear. Mm-hmm. And I think that's ultimately what we're going to finally realize that, we're driving ourselves through fear and that in and of itself, productivity is unproductive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. that's a topic for another day. What I do need to do though, before we, we uh, finish up today is get some information from you. So, so let's assume for the sake of discussion, there's a listener out there who runs a company and they realize they need to bring this into their company or, or there's a listener who is dealing with their own job situation. And they aren't quite sure how to, navigate it because they recognize the value of what you're saying, but that's not going to work in our job culture and they need to <laughs> tap your brain some more. And, you know, that, well, first of all, you got the book coming out, although that's not out just yet. It's going to be coming out in March, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. Coming out in March. And it's called, you need a better vacation. So we want to keep an eye out for that. Is that, is that available for pre-order yet? Sometimes uh, Amazon and others make that available for pre-order. Um, I probably will be starting pre-orders in February, but oh, not okay. yet. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. well, by the time a lot of people hear the episode, then uh, it, it'll probably be pretty close to that time. So that's yes. a good thing. Um, yeah. But for somebody who wants to find out more about you and what your, your research is and so forth, can, well, first of all, do you encourage people to reach out to you? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And How do they I, find you? yeah, I'm most active right now on Instagram. Um, I also have a TikTok and it's at the vacation nerd. Um, both of them are at the vacation nerd. So yeah, definitely. I welcome anyone reaching out and then I post some educational videos there right now. I have a three month old, a new baby. So oh, wow. um, congratulations. I'm not, congratulations. Thank you. He's my third boy. So it's a little bit wild around here right now. <laughs> um, and I haven't been as active on social media as I have been in the past, but that's the best place to reach out to me. I'm on there daily. Um, except for when I'm on vacation. So. Yeah, that's the best place. Or dealing with the newborn either way. I mean, <laughs> there are priorities. Yes. Life has to come in. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> important stuff. Um, yeah. one thing I, I do like to make it a practice to do with guests 
um, because everybody who comes onto the show is giving in some way, they're usually giving back for stuff that they've learned along the way and they want to share with the rest of society and so forth, which is wonderful. Um, but I also noticed if, a couple of years back that we, we tend to ignore part of what happens with that because you, you, you come onto our podcast and you're helping create this content. You create your own content. You're on other people's podcasts. You probably do, uh, your, your Instagram posts and so forth. You're putting all this content out, helping people you never met, you never seen, never will meet, never will see. And you're not getting credit for it. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. We, we, we're skipping something here, I feel. So I like to say on behalf of those people you've never met and never seen, never will meet, never will see that you're helping in some way on their behalf. Thank you for what you're doing because you're making a very important difference in this world, especially on this topic. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I actually had a conversation with my husband the other day about, you know, the value of content creators and how, you know, he was saying like, Oh, some content creators get paid so much money to do it. And I was like, content creation is, you know, it's very valuable and it's, it's a lot of work. Mm, it is. <laughs> so yeah, thank you for pointing that out. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, th I think we need to be recognized for that because those of us who are doing that are contributing and you're contributing, especially with this topic. This is a topic that, that can help people in ways that go way beyond anything you'll ever see personally. But, oh, my God, this this could have reverberations that just go on forever. So, yeah. I, I really hope so. Stuff. I think so. Yeah. So thank you for joining us. Anne-Marie, I always go to you to kind of uh, pick out the, the juiciest fruit from the whole thing. Have you have you identified what the juicy fruit is today? I just think that it's, it's the whole importance of having a break. And the thing that um, stood out for me is even just your weekend, treat your weekend like a vacation. Um, and take if you take a day off, treat it like a vacation. You know, just change that mindset. I liked that. That was my um, quote of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that too. I, I'd even throw and take a vacation every 10 minutes or so, every hour, every half hour, <laughs> every three hours, you know, throw, throw in a little downtime here or there. It, boy, it really, <laughs> it makes a difference. I mean, seriously. It really does. I, I, I've talked often here on the show about how um, I, I run a, Jenica, I run a gardening service um, that I actually took over from my ex. I bought her out when, when we split up. Um, and before we split up, she did what most people do when running a business like that. She ended up working 60, 70 hour weeks and she ended up getting sick over it, actually getting hospitalized. At that point, I had to take over running it to keep the thing going. And I, through various techniques I know how to do, I reduced that down to a five to 10 hour work week and that I, I can't even begin to describe not only what they did for her, but what it did for me, what it did for our employees, what it did for the whole operation, just having the person at the top reduce their own stress load that dramatically by reducing their mm -hmm. work hours. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I do, I, I work five to 10 hours a week on, on it during the season. It's even, it's a seasonal job. I don't even do it right now. I'm in January. This is off season, you know, but during the season, I'm working five to 10 hours a week and they're five to 10 of the most productive hours you could possibly have, but I'm only yeah. doing five to 10. Yeah. And, and, and yet I'm, I'm producing this fabulous enterprise where all these people are earning their incomes and all this kind of stuff. It just goes to show it's not about the hours yeah. or it's inversely yeah. about the hours. Maybe is the better way to say it. Yeah. And if you're, if you're working 80 hours a week, maybe you should dedicate some time to figuring out how you can do that same amount of work in less time. Yeah. I don't know. Get it like hire somebody to build an Excel, you know, spreadsheet that can do mm -hmm. half of your job. You know, there's just like, there's always a way to offload it. There's always a way. Don't just accept it. Don't just right. accept it. 
that's the mistake. Yeah. Accepting it and saying, it's my lot in life. I got to put up with it. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So thank you so much, Jenica. We really appreciate you taking the time and being with us and sharing all these great insights. Really, really good. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank Thanks you. Thanks for having me. It was a great and chat. Thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Mm-hmm.